0: have uh, uh, my son with me and it's just a rare uh, treat to have him travel with me and uh, uh, he's on staff full time. Uh, He leads the college at 20-something but I asked him if he would just share whatever the Lord has placed on his heart and and then I'll come up and bring forth the word. Okay Gabe come on up. Let's give a great hand for Gabe as he comes up.
1: Praise
2: God. I can feel the excitement in this place tonight. Come on, somebody. You know, my dad is just a little uh, snippet of, of real life and on family. My dad, he just mentioned that he doesn't speak Korean. It's really kind of funny because he'll go to Korea and you'll have a Korean translator translating for him. And everyone's so confused because he's Korean. And yet he has a translator. And sometimes the person who's translating is Caucasian. I love you, dad. But uh, the one thing that my dad doesn't know how to say in Korean is the word fire.
1: And And,
2: and so it's just really interesting because during ministry time, he, when he's ministering, the word fire, and I don't know, I probably won't, I'll totally butcher this because I don't know how to speak a lick of Korean, but it's boom. Everyone say that. Boom. Boom. Nice. Good job. And so he'll go down the line during ministry time, and because that's the only word he knows, boom, boom, He's just fire, fire, fire! And just from that one simple word, it's amazing, the power of God. How many of you know that there's no language barrier when it comes to the Holy Spirit? Amen. The Holy Spirit just just drops like fire on these people, but it's just really funny because my sisters and I sit in the back and we just laugh because we we know that's the only word he knows during ministry time. But um, but Dad, I love you and uh, you are my hero. Uh, you're an example to me in every way, and um, I really like the fireman suit you were wearing earlier today. That was wow. Can I just be honest? Can I just wow?
1: Um,
2: that was anointed and. Hilarious at the same time.
1: <laughs> but I love
2: it. We keep it real. We keep it real at Harvest Rock Church. And I felt tonight, you guys are just, you just keep it real. That's what we say. We keep it real. Amen. Amen. And that's how Jesus wants us to be with Him. I just had a brief word that I just wanted to share with you. And I was going to share a little bit about, about my testimony, how the Lord brought me to this place. But I felt like the word of the Lord, um, and Pastor Charles just totally hit on it when he came up. But the word of the Lord is that, that uh, he wants to take you guys on a shopping spree tonight.
1: And I, I, please, please understand me, okay?
2: I'm still learning how to walk in the prophetic. It's, it's still something that I'm learning how to exercise in ministry. But I felt like the Lord said tonight, I want to take my people on a shopping spree. And this is what I mean by that. Um, a little, little bit of uh, a background story. My family loves to shop, okay? Can I keep it real with you guys? In fact, my dad loves to shop, alright? If he's not at church, he's at Nordstrom. Come on, somebody. Alright? Just keep it real. I mean, did you see the shirt he's wearing tonight? It's banging. It's hot, alright? Look at the jeans I'm wearing. There's holes in it. That's not because of style. That's because of wear and tear. Okay, so... But, my, but I have three younger sisters, and every time someone compliments me on my clothes, I always have to defer to them because they pretty much dress me. I get hand me downs from my sisters, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, my three younger sisters, they hand their clothes down to me. That's how I get changed every day. But, you no, know, my family loves to shop. My dad loves to shop. There's nothing wrong with shopping. I'm just totally joking around. But I felt like what the Lord said tonight is he wants to clothe you with new clothes.
1: <laughs> Many of you have
2: been wearing garments that have been worn down, like my jeans. Maybe some of you have, you're feeling the burden of, of fear and discouragement in your life. And I felt like the Lord said, I'll place those old clothes with new clothes tonight. <laughs> Amen. Oh How many of you want to go on a shopping spree tonight?
1: Yeah.
2: The Bible clearly says, I was reading in my quiet time this morning in Isaiah 61, that he literally wants to clothe us with the garment of praise. He wants to clothe us us with salvation. And so if you feel tonight that you've come in and you feel just worn out, maybe some of you have felt like, man, I'm just discouraged or I feel like I'm just in fear or in intimidation. The Lord wants to replace that with his praise, with his salvation. With his love. Because the Bible says the perfect love casts out what? Fear. Fear. Amen. So I just, can I just pray tonight? Can I just do that before my dad comes up? Can I just pray that he clothes us with new clothes tonight? Heavenly yeah. oh. Father, I thank you that you were already in this place before we got here. Your presence is strong. We love your presence, Lord. We love your glory. Lord, I thank you that when we come into alignment with you. And when we come into apostolic alignment, Lord. It's you literally clothe us. With salvation. You wrap us with the garments of praise. Lord, I pray for every person tonight who has come here feeling that they've they've been worn out, they're tired, they're weary. Maybe some people have, have just just given into that spirit of fear, Lord. There's no condemnation in here, Lord, but we recognize, Lord, that we want new clothes tonight. Lord, we want to join you in that shopping spree, Lord, because you freely give. You freely give, Lord. You're the giver of life. You're the giver of breath, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord, God, that you would replace every old garment with new garments in the name of Jesus. Would you just even just symbolically just, just picture Jesus wrapping new clothes over you right now? Would you just picture that? It's time for the new. The old is passed and the new has come. Lord, we proclaim your word that he who the Son is set free is free indeed. We proclaim your word that says that perfect love casts out all fear. We proclaim your word that says we are to cast our cares upon you, to take upon your yoke, which is light and easy. But we make a conscious choice tonight to clothe ourselves with you, Lord, to clothe ourselves with your humility, with your grace, with your hope, with your life, with your love, God. But we lay aside anything that would hinder us. Lord, as we come into tonight on the first session, Lord Jesus, Lord, if there's anything that we need to deal with in our hearts, Lord, we just lay that aside right now. Lord, we just, Lord, if, if some of us, I feel like there's some of you, He wants to clothe you in purity and righteousness tonight. Yeah. He's looking for a pure and spotless bride. And you've come tonight and you're saying, Abe, hey, I feel like I need to renew my first love with Jesus. He literally wants to wrap purity and righteousness around you tonight but mm. well, we just want to be sensitive to your spirit Well, we want to do what we see the father do yeah. we come before you tonight lord jesus i feel like some of you are discouraged and he says i want to clothe you in my joy tonight
1: mm.
2: the morning may last for a night joy comes in the morning yeah. we thank you for your joy we thank you for your life yeah. we worship you and we say tonight, the old is gone and the new has come. Yeah. Say that. Say the old is gone oh. and the new has come. Oh. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for letting me share. Yeah.
1: Now
0: for the real stuff. Dave's still here and I want you to pass out this material. I'm going to give some gifts out. and uh... Thank you. How many of you want some free material? All right because I love the gift of giving I really appreciate that and Charles and Anne, and wherever I go, the churches God blesses are churches that are giving uh, and very generous and God's a generous God and so I want to just uh, show into your life and uh, and then I just want to encourage you to pick the materials uh, that we have it goes right back into ministry uh, we're going to do some uh, praying for the sick tonight and uh, uh, this came out several years ago, but I shared 12 principles on healing. Uh, probably the two most important chapters I deal with root issues concerning some of the more um, difficult problems, those that the doctors will say is incurable, autoimmune problems, problems like diabetes, MS, etc. We have seen uh, tremendous healings. We just uh, saw a woman in Mumbai, I was just there two weeks ago. Who was going blind because of diabetes and God healed her and you have to get a blood test to find out how you're doing with with diabetes but she knew she was healed because her eyesight was restored right there and so I deal with root issues and so I want to give this out to someone out here this book on fire evangelism this took me 14 years to write and because this is my life message and I just wanted to um, just Get the uh, distilled essence of everything I've been living for for the last three four years as a believer, and uh, it was amazing because at the August conference we had at our church last year, Joy Dawson got up and and uh, and I just said something uh, quoting from her. I said, you know, Joy Dawson even read this, and she said uh, this is one of the best books she's ever read on evangelism. Well, she got up and she grabbed the mic and she said, that's not what I said, and she rebuked me in front of everyone. And she said, no, this is the best book on evangelism I've ever read. And so this is coming from Joy Dawson, who's trained hundreds of thousands of young uh, youth with the mission people. And I want to encourage this about prophetic evangelism, power evangelism, and uh, really, it really is a comprehensive book on evangelism. This is a new book, came out six months ago. And this is for those who are seekers, those who are young believers. And this is a great book to give to unbelievers, uh, Close Encounters of the Divine Kind. And uh, I, I basically uh, wanted to write a book, you know, this is my seventh book, and I wanted to write a book to reach unbelievers because I run into people all the time and I give out tracts, but I wanted to give something that was more personal uh, from my heart, but also uh, a Christian uh, apologetics on, uh, on subjects that uh, really I think people in society are searching and seeking for. And I want to just read the table of contents just real briefly just to give you an idea of the direction. Chapter 1, We're Not Alone. Chapter 2, First Contact, The Eden Dimension. Chapter 3, Paradise Lost. Chapter 4, Alien Battle Lines. Chapter 5, The Supreme Undercover Operation. And then it goes on, let me just share with you, Chapter 8, The Counter with the Divine E.T. The Red Pill or the Blue Pill? You have to get the book. Chapter, chapter 9, The Force is With You. And then I talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, it's in a science fiction genre because I'm a Trekkie from a kid up. And so this is a great book to give to unbelievers. And then I have some teaching uh, tapes, CDs. And this is for... Uh, let me encourage, especially if you're a pastor or leader, I talk about uh, revival giving. This is called Stewarding Revival. But I, I did a four-part series. So I do this every single year. I ask the Lord to give me a series on equipping our saints... For when it comes to receiving God's blessing but also being givers and I, I gave a message what does what does giving look like when we're in revival the fact is we're in revival and so if heaven has come down to earth what does that look like and how do you know there's no poverty in heaven and so everything uh, the resources uh, are available to us and so I talk about really stepping on faith and being generous in your giving And as a result of this, we've just seen our church uh, uh, significantly uh, give um, and uh, our budget grow as a result. So let me encourage pastors. Again, this is about evangelism, spirit-led evangelism taken from my book, Fire Evangelism. This is on kingdom living. Basically, I share, I do a commentary on the Beatitudes based on just a revival perspective and transformation perspective of how God wants to transform society. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And so I go into what that means to inherit the earth and take dominion. And so that's that series. This personal spiritual warfare, uh, I I talk about, and and I'm going to get into this a little bit tomorrow morning. I talk about uh, basically uh, the wall of protection, deliverance from demonic oppression, how to walk in victory and holiness and purity, because I believe that we can be, holy as he is holy. Amen? And so I share, especially with the young people in our church, and I see so many people struggling in Southern California, but I believe that we can live a victorious uh, life if we're led by the Holy Spirit, if we're full of the Holy Spirit. And then uh, this is the best selling series, Contending, and it's because of one message, How to Break the Spirit of Poverty. I think I may have shared this at one time when I was with you, uh, but uh, I want to encourage you that there is a religious spirit, a real spirit of poverty on the church, and I share the history of that, how that came into the church in the third century, and how we need to break that spirit. And as we've done that, again, we've seen tremendous release wherever I've gone. We've seen people's, uh, uh, especially the HIN churches that I've seen, we've seen their uh, giving go up significantly. And then along with that, this is the second best uh, teaching uh, series that has sold, um, The Great Transfer Wealth. Let me know that God's ready to release the great transfer of wealth. Well. Yeah. From Isaiah 60, Haggai 2.7, Isaiah 61, it goes on and on. And, and so I talk about positioning ourselves for the great transfer of wealth. So Gabe, why don't you pass this out as you're prophetically led, as you're learning how to step down <laughs> prophetically, just go ahead and give it to those that you feel led to get. And I'll pass this on to... Charles, Going to give you uh, this mic? Actually, you know, this, this shirt was given to me I didn't buy this in Nordstrom You can't get this in Nordstrom I was in um, Bombay just two weeks ago and, um, and the pastor, it's called Mumbai The pastor uh, wanted to just honor me At the end of the time of ministry And bought me this uh, beautiful shirt And, uh, and uh, it's an extraordinary church They're part of HIM uh, They're uh, located uh, right in Bollywood Bollywood is the Hollywood of, uh, of India, I don't know if you know this, but India produces more movies than any other nation in the world. And uh, uh, their Hollywood is called Bollywood, literally Bollywood, and uh, it's amazing because uh, this HIM church is just like our church in Pasadena, and usually when you go to an Indian church, it's uh, separate, the, the women are in one section, the men are in the other section, uh, most of the ladies wear saris, and uh, the men are traditionally dressed white, uh, but in this church, H.I.M. Church with Pastor Shakar, uh, they're wearing jeans, and they're all mixed tents and Mason's a great, cool church. And, um, and this pastor, he's the one who hosts Benny Hinn when he comes to Mumbai. I, I don't know wow. if you heard about uh, the, you know, the million-plus people that uh, came to his crusade in Bombay while he was the catalyst to bring people together. And so we're really proud our HR pastor there but it was amazing because when I was there I was just there for uh, two days and I did a healing service and and I shared with you one of the people that got healed Uh, she was a diabetic and her eyes uh, was restored but then there was 11 year old boy and to be honest with you I don't know how blind he was all I know is that through the translation they said that he could not see he could not read and all of a sudden, his eyes were open and he was reading the signs. And Pastor Shakar, because he had a banner sent and signs around the auditorium and asked the board to read it and he was reading it on the mic. And, and so it was a great time. A lot of people got healed. But my assistant, I brought seven people with me to India. My assistant, Jander, who is a Chinese American, uh, born in China, a brilliant kid. He's going into law school. I mean, he scored uh, top of his class and he's applied now to Harvard, Yale, and Georgetown. And, and so, uh, here's this brilliant guy who really got blasted by the Holy Spirit just recently. He came out of an university background, more evangelical, and so this is all new to him, and, and, uh, and I prayed for him, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit, and then I just challenged him if he would give up, instead of going to law school right away, if he would give two years of his life to be my personal assistant, because I need someone to stay with me and in sharp, and I said, would you be willing to get two years of your life and forego law school until so I could train you? So because I wanted to disciple him as well. And he said yes. So here he's with me in India, and he's seen these people getting healed, and he's been seeing this as he's traveled with me. But one of the things they begin to cry out to God and said, "God, I want to see the, a blind person get healed." And I've never, you know, I, I see Pastor Che praying for people. Uh, but when I pray for people, I mean, people have gotten healed when he's prayed for them. They go out under the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's been a number of blind people who've gotten healed since he's been following <laughs> me, and yet he's never prayed for anyone who was blind to uh, receive sight. And so that was a particular prayer uh, request that he was asking the Lord while he was in India. Well, I had to fly out of India and joined Georgian in Israel because we did an incredible conference in uh, Bethlehem and then in Jerusalem. And so I left the team in India and one of the pastors uh, uh, planned a, a village outreach to a Hindu village with around 900 uh, uh, people that lived in this village. And I mean, it's really like out of the jungle book because they have live wires around the village to protect them protect them from wild animals uh, Elephants that would run through and would stampede the village unless it had the protective wire. And so, uh, and so our team is preaching, and it so happens that the chief of this village is totally blind. And there's this milk film over his eyes. And so Jonder had been sharing with uh, the team, saying, you know... I see Pastor Che, he prays people get healed who are blind. I want to see a blind person get healed. So the guy who is like the senior guy there with the team, he is preaching. And he says, well, John Deere, if you want to see someone uh, get healed, why don't you start with the chief right now and pray for the chief to get healed? And he says that publicly in front of all the people after the chief welcomes everyone. And so John Deere is put on the spot. He's up in the front with the chief in front of all the people who are there to, to listen to the gospel presentation. And so he's just saying, and he has zero faith. I mean, he says, oh, God, what am I doing up here? But he is stuck. And so he begins to lay, you know, he puts his hand on the chief's eye and begins to pray. And it's just soaking him. I mean, he, you know, he's just there for a few minutes, just soaking him. And and so Roy begins to preach. and, And then finally, after praying for him, he just puts his hand down. And sure enough, when his hand drops, the chief is totally healed. He can see the foam is gone, the milky foam is gone. I think mean, it was just two weeks ago, and and, and John Dirk got his prayer request answered. God used him to heal a totally blind person. It happened to be the chief of the village. And he preaches, and the, villi- the, the chief says, listen, this Jesus is real, and I'm going to say, we're all going to become followers of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, no, that's a great altar awesome call. And the village me It's just amazing. But one of the things that I really believe uh, that has happened with John is that he's come into this apostolic alignment and that anointing, that blessing flows from those who are leaders of that movement down to those who are aligned with the apostle. And I have a scriptural basis for this. And I want you to turn with me to Psalm 133. And I want to talk about, I want to talk about apostolic alignment and the glory of God. Apostolic alignment and the glory of God. And this is a message that is relatively new on my heart. The Lord just really gave this to me in the beginning of this year. And I do want to say that this is a very significant day today. I'm talking about today, Wednesday, this day, the 5th of March. Because we had Chuck Pierce with us exactly 38 days ago, and he gave a prophetic word, and he said uh, something's going to shift in America 38 days from
1: now.
0: And uh, and so I immediately got my calendar, and I said, what's gonna happen 38 days from now? And I realized I'm gonna be at Life Center, at Firesport on Wednesday night, opening up 38 days exactly from that prophetic word. And so I want you to faith. something's gonna shift. And the words that my son gave about new clothes, whatever, you're going to be clothed with love and joy and peace and righteousness. But I believe something's going to shift for you. And I believe that God's going to align you. And I want to share that word. Alignment is a biblical word. And we're going to look at the uh, Greek word that talks about alignment in a moment. But let's look at this very familiar psalm, Psalm 133. And uh, the Bible says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell together in unity. And that's brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron running down on the edges of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. So Father, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for tonight, the opening night. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. And we never want to take your presence for granted. We say with Moses, unless your presence goes with us, we can go no further. The Lord, even later on, he wasn't even content with that. And he said, show me your glory. And so, Lord, we ask for a revelation of your glory. And I pray, Lord, I, that you would give us a revelation of how alignment and unity brings about a greater swell of your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. That word glory, because when you talk about firestorm, you're talking about glory. And I I love that uh, map of of the glory spreading, the fire spreading uh, that you just had on the video. And glory, you know, it's a very interesting word. As you know, uh, the word glory, uh, the Hebrew word for that is kavod or kavod. uh, And uh, there's a number of definitions for it. It's used in multiple ways. Uh, The New Testament, doxa. Uh, it's a Greek word for that. And, and it's used a number of ways. Let me just enumerate the ways that it is used. One way it is used is to display God's power. All right? To display God's power. And obviously, when the glory of God came in Acts chapter 2, with tongues of fire manifesting itself in fire, power was released. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I have seen meetings where the glory of God would just come in and people would just suddenly get healed without any words of knowledge, without any prayer. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I've shared uh, in my book some of the most amazing testimonies. And the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, uh, I remember one time I was uh, praying for Maybe around 30 people in, in a small room. We invited after the service, if you want prayer for healing, to go into this room. And the glory of God came. And we didn't even ask for this, but everyone. I'm talking about everyone who was nearsighted or farsighted, who wore glasses or contactless, instantly got healed.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, we were, they were there for different reasons. They were there for back problems. They were there maybe for cold, whatever. I don't know. But the glory of God came, and all of a sudden, at the same time, spontaneously, people said, I can see, I can see. They were taking off their glasses. They said, something's wrong with my content. They were taking it off. How many of you like to see that happen right now? Amen. Give it that. The glory of God. Let it come. Just amazing things. My dear friend Bob Beckett, uh, the pastor of the dwelling place, was highlighted in the, uh, uh, the movie uh, or the documentary, Transformation 1, with George Otis Jr., uh, he is highlighted because he was the pastor of the dwelling place that experienced revival and transformation in that city. But a lot of people didn't uh, know that he was 80% deaf in both ears at that time. And he had invited me to come and do a healing service. And right in the middle of my preaching, God opens his ear. No prayer. The glory of God came. And he just put immediately here. And he took off his hearing aid. He was uh, bringing his... Uh, keychain because he couldn't hear it without his hearing aid. And sure enough, he could hear He took out his cell phone, called someone he could hear without the... And so right in the... He starts to weep right in the middle of the service. And he comes up to me on the platform and he says, Che, God, open my ears as you are preaching. No prayer, no words of knowledge. The glory of God came. And he says... Uh, I can hear now, and I want to give you a souvenir. Here's one of my hearing aids. I'll keep the other one as a reminder of what God did. Give Jesus glory and bring an honor. And so that's what we want to see. God's power displayed. That's one definition for glory. Another uh, definition for glory is where God reveals by His Spirit a revelation of His nature and character. Uh, When Moses says, show me your glory, he says, I will allow my goodness to pass before you. Isn't it interesting? Of all things he could say, he could say, I'll let my holiness pass by you, or my righteousness, or whatever. But he says, my goodness pass by you. Then he says, I'll show mercy to whom I want to show mercy. And God is a God of love, goodness, and mercy. He is a good God. That's why the Bible says Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil in Acts 10.38. And so he revealed himself when when Moses said, I want to know you more. I'm not satisfied. Thank you that you said your presence will go with me, but I want more. And he says, I will reveal my goodness to you. I think we need to have the scales ripped off of our eyes that we can have a revelation of God's goodness in our lives. God is a good God. Amen. He loves you. He wants to bless you. And he commands a blessing as you Get aligned, and we're we're gonna talk about that. The third way the glory is used is concerning the manifest presence of God all right the manifest presence the unusual luminous manifest presence of God Uh, it can be form of a cloud like he revealed himself like for example in second Chronicles chapter 5 as the worshippers were dedicating the temple the glory cloud came and they could not stand because and they could not perform their services because the glory had rolled in but was manifested in the cloud formation in fact, God said, I'm going to reveal my glory to you, and I'll lead you by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Again, firestorm is a manifestation of glory. That's what we're after, all right? And so God is saying, I will reveal. And so there's been times that, and I, I want to prophesy something. I, I, I believe, now, I know you have a fog machine so that we at our church, if it's not casting, uh, I, I'm not against any of that. But there's been times in our meetings where it would be so thick we could not see in front of us. And uh, I remember one time we were at Mott Auditorium and there's an old barn that we had that seats 3,000 and we had five nights to protract the track of meetings and it was so thick. And, and my rationalistic mentality was, oh I know what's happening because you're not in Southern California, you're near the coast and so the fog does roll in, just like in San Francisco, it's always cloudy. And I said, there must be a natural fog that came in and is now, with the doors open, my auditorium, uh, the fog has come in. And so, but it was so stunning that I, I got up out of my seat, went outside to see if there was fog outside. It wasn't, it was crystal clear. Yeah. You could even see the stars. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a miracle in Los Angeles yeah. because of all this fog and everything. And, and, and then you go into this building again and, and it's so thick, full of the glory of God. I'm sure you've had manifestations like it, gold yeah. dust. Gems. I mean, there was a season for us where gold dust would just come, feathers, everything. And, and you've experienced all that, but I'm talking about the manifest presence of God, the glory of God manifesting Himself. The, the manifestation of His glory, uh, His kavod being the weighty presence of God where you can't even stand because of uh, the presence just pressing you down. I, I remember, I remember, uh, and I, I share this in my first book, Into the Fire, and, and so, but I remember, this comes to my memory, where um, one, uh, there was a gang member from Las Vegas, <coughs> she was Korean, and uh, her mom didn't know what to do with her. She was 15 years old, going on 30. She was a drug addict. She had come this close from being shot in the forehead. She had just bent down when the, 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 the gun was fired and went right over her head, and, uh, and her mom knew that she was in trouble, so she sent her to Los Angeles. Uh, to be uh, taken care of by her sister. And so her uh, this woman, this young girl named Lisa, her aunt attends our church. So she brought her to one of our not meetings that we had at that time. And then she was wearing gang clothes, and, and you know, she, was, she didn't want to be there. She was just forced to be there because her uh, aunt made her come. And I remember she was sitting like third row Right over to my right, and she just had her arms folded, just waiting for the meeting to be over. And I, now I knew I had one unbeliever in the whole service. Okay, and so you know I'm an evangelist, and so I am going to. Sure, if I know there's an unbeliever there, usually people who are believers come to be refreshed in a renewal service. But I preached the gospel. I was preaching at Lisa, sharing my testimony how God delivered me out of drugs, and uh, and then I gave an invitation, and people responded, but not Lisa. And so now it's time of ministry. We're ministering to one another. And so uh, uh, finally, I I have a chance to break away from the line, and I go up to Lisa personally, and I said, Lisa, what did you think about uh, what was going on? And she said, you know, I heard this when I was a little kid, and I'm not interested. And I said, well, I, I, I understand. But can I just pray for you? I have learned some of the most difficult, hard people that when the power and the presence of God comes upon them, it just... Uh, again, it breaks something. Satan has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever, Second Corinthians four four, And we have seen Buddhists, Shintoists. We've seen people who are very, very difficult to reach. When they experience the power of the Holy Spirit, they open up and they experience the reality of Jesus. And their hearts are open to the gospel. So I, I wanted to do the same thing with Lisa. And I said, can I just pray for you? And she said, well, you can do whatever you want to do. And she was really, really flippant and just rude. And so I just said, okay. And so I didn't even touch her, lay hands on her. I just prayed from a distance. I said, Lord, just reveal yourself to Lisa. That's all I prayed. The moment I prayed that, the Holy Spirit came upon her, and she started to manifest, and she started to get drunk. And and she wanted to laugh, but she didn't want to give me the pleasure that she was responding to this simple prayer that I prayed. And so she put her hand over her face like this. And she's trying to laugh, but she doesn't want to. I mean, she wants to laugh, but she she doesn't want to laugh in front of me. And, and so now this is this is bizarre because you're talking about an unbeliever getting drunk and being you know with holy laughter, okay? And, and so I'm I'm, all, I, I, I'm theologically struggling as I'm ministering to her, but I, I just say, Lisa. That's the Holy Spirit, that's joy God's given you, the gift of joy. Go ahead and laugh, it's okay. And then finally she got the permission, she removed her hand and started to laugh, and she could not stop laughing. And, uh, and then yeah, I did what uh, we normally do. I prayed this very deep theological prayer. More. Exactly, more Lord. <laughs> I just said, more Lord, give her more. And here's what happened as I said, More Lord, she fell to the ground speaking in tongues. No cat for no usher, Boom, she hits the ground. And she was savvy, she was like two hundred and fifty pounds. Okay, she was a big girl, and boom, she goes down speaking in tongues. And I'm saying to myself, Okay, I need a verse for this, Lord. I need a scripture for this. Here's a gang member who is a drug addict, who's an unbeliever, and you know, uh, she doesn't respond to the altar call, but now she's on the floor speaking in tongues. And then Lord gave me a scripture. They gave me Acts chapter 10. When Peter is preaching to the house of Cornelius, where, where, where is the invitation there? Where is the sinner's prayer there? I think we put God in the box that this yeah. is the way we could only see. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And somehow he saw that Lisa's heart had believed in him. And he says, I'm going to bless her with my glory. And I'm going to fill her with my spirit. And she got saved. And she was there speaking in tongues. And so we just blessed her, let her be there. And we're walking around. And I come back. And, uh, uh, and uh, it's time to leave now. Because, you know, it's like late, 11, 1130. Uh, her aunt and her like the last two there and, and I'm, I'm on call that night and I had preached and I had to lock up and I say, Lisa, it's time to go. The first thing out of her mouth is she says, oh, there's too many. There's too many. She's speaking in tongues. This time she's crying. She's not laughing. She's crying. She's weeping. She says, there's too many and my heart sank and I just said, oh no, I'm going to be up all night casting out demons. She's, <laughs> she, she said, there's too many demons in me and I, I, I'm going to be here, you know, and, And so finally, I had the guts to ask her. I said, Too many? Too many of what? And she said, "Uh, There's too many faces. Faces of who? She said, Faces of my friends. And God was flashing her gang member friends in front of her. Not only did God save her, but the spirit of intercession had come upon her as she was interceding for a gang member of France. And she was saying, there's too many of them, too many. I can't pray for them all. And, and so I just said, just keep on praying. But uh, then we came back to her and said, okay, we've got to lock up. We really have to go. And she said, I can't move. She wanted to get up, but she couldn't move. It wasn't because she was, I mean, I had the ushers. We all tried to lift her up, but the glory was so strong we could not. And so she was pinned there for the next eight hours. And the next day when we came back, I mean, we went home. We we came back, she was still there. Same spot. And, and, And she was so transformed. She looked like a, a little girl now. I mean, she looked like she was 15. I mean, God, how many of you know we're changed from glory to glory? Amen? Yeah. And when the presence of God and the glory of God comes, so we're talking about the manifest presence of God, the weighty presence of God. The last way to use the word glory is the word honor, synonym for honor. And it's used in worship to give Him glory, to give Him honor and worship as doing it. And, and how many of you are hungry for more glory? How many of you know that the Bible says we're going from glory to glory? How many of you want more of his firestorm? Amen? And so that's why we're here. We're saying we're not satisfied. We're like Moses. Thank you for your presence. But we're in glory, but we want more glory. We're going from glory to glory. It's just like we had rain, but we are asking for more rain. Zechariah 10:1 says, Ask for rain in the latter rain. Very interesting prayer. When it's raining, ask for more. Ask for rain while it's raining. And so God is saying, I want you to hunger for more. But here is something that I want to share with you. I believe what the Spirit of God is saying to the church, and we see this seven times in Revelation, starting in in Revelation 2-7. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And one of the things that the Spirit is saying to the church clearly is apostolic alignment. Just take the Chronicles chapter 5. Would you just go there for example? Because we see the whole principle of alignment and glory going hand to hand throughout scripture. I wish I had a lot of time to go over all the passages, but I don't. Because I want to make sure we have plenty of time for ministry. For example, in verse 13 of 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13. It's interesting, it was 120 priests were there sounding the trumpets and then in verse 13 indeed came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one they were united they were aligned to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord and when they lifted up their voice with their trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying for he is good for his mercy endures forever and I can't help but think the revelation that Moses received in Exodus 33 that God's a good God and that he would show mercy to him. He wants to show mercy it became a song, became a song that David uh, had written and now is passed down uh, to Solomon and the preacher singing for he is good his mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. Manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, Manifest presence of glory, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. But do you see the pattern? They were, they were ministering as one. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Just a few more verses here. Acts chapter 2. We're familiar with this. We're just talking about... Uh, Charles was talking about, you know, tongues of fire wasn't like candlesticks, you know, little candlesticks on top of their head. But here's what the Word says in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. We're talking about unity. It's interesting that Jesus appeared to 500 after the resurrection. But only 120... Really, receive that word. He says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from all on high. And 120, we see that in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, they were in one accord. They were praying for 10 And the thing about it, they didn't know when the Holy Spirit was going to fall. It ended up being 10 days because the time of ascension of Jesus to the day of Pentecost would be 10 days. But as far as they knew, it could have been a month later or two months later. But they were so hungry, and they were so radical in their obedience to Jesus, they were there, united, praying, worshipping. And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, firestorm. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see the unity here. And then we see the glory coming. Now, the reason why I'm talking about apostolic alignment and the glory of God is because, uh, first of all, uh, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3, 1. The, the question, as you're going to Hebrews chapter 3, 1 is that where are you getting. Where are you getting apostolic alignment in, in the passage of Psalm 133? Because I was studying that passage and I was just asking this question, Lord, why Aaron's beard? Why Aaron's head? I mean, think about it. You know, why not why not use Moses' head? Or David's head? You know? I mean, according to the Jewish people, Moses was the greatest. Uh, patriarch, you know Abraham, Moses—they're up there, all right. Aaron was the one who made that golden calf and brought judgment in Exodus 32. No, and and so I was thinking about this, and I would just say, why Aaron sent? Well, you've got to realize the song of ascent was done by the priest. This is in the post-exilic period after Ezra had rebuilt the temple, and these songs or songs were. Each one is short. You notice how the Song of Ascent is short? Because you're to climb up. You're ascending the temple, and you would sing one song, uh, uh, one Song of Ascent, and you go to the next step, sing another Song of Ascent. And so they're saying this, and these were Levites singing, and they were talking about being aligned with Aaron, who represents the high priest. Yeah. So as priests, they were aligned with Aaron, the high priest, the, the one who was uh, the one in authority. And so, prophetically speaking, in the Old Testament, we see that the high priest is like the apostle in the New Testament. And here's the scriptural basis for it. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Because Jesus, it says in verse 1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Do you see that? Jesus is the, the ultimate high priest, and he is the chief apostle. Can I hear an amen? amen. Alright, and so being aligned with the high priest is like being aligned with the apostle. And this is how it works. It's like God says, listen, I want you to get apostolically aligned. This is the word of the Lord. In other words, you see, there is, there is an order, divine order in the church. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. You're familiar with this passage. Verse 28 says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Now, when Paul uses the Greek here, he's using three strong Greek words. Proton, Deuteron, and Triton. To make an emphasis that there is an order. And we see that order again in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And bear with me with these. uh, How many know that I love God's word? Do you love God's word? That we need to be more in the word of God. But here I want to just go to Ephesians chapter 4. Familiar with this passage again. Well known passage. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And it says, and he gave some to be apostles. Look at this order some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. <laughs> and what is really interesting in this passage is that there's an article in the Greek before the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, but there's no article before the teacher. And so it's almost like pastor teacher. And so in 1 Corinthians 12:28, 28, it could be apostles, prophets, and teachers slash pastors because the pastor has to be able to teach according to the qualifications of the pastor in 1 Timothy chapter 3. But here's the word of Lyman. Look at verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The word equipping, kartikismos, which is a Greek word, is a medical term. And that's the word used for equipping. And it means to set the bone in place. It means to align the bone correctly. Uh, it's, it's like uh, almost like the picture of a chiropractor aligning your back. Because that's what the word equipping means. And so God says is that he sent the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip the saints, to align the church so that we can come to the full measure of of the fullness of Christ and the maturity of Christ and so this is absolutely crucial so God says when you are properly aligned you will come into maturity you will come into the blessing of God that's where God commands the blessing life forevermore now think about this God honors authority even when it comes to your parents What does the word say in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 it says children obey your parents in the Lord and I'm, that phrase, in the Lord, is very important. Because if your parents is a drug dealer, and they are asking you to sell drugs on their behalf, you don't have to obey that, because that's not in the Lord, alright? <laughs> obey your parents in the Lord. Then it says, Honor your father and mother, that things will go well with you. How many of you want things to go well with you? How many of you want the blessing of God? And that you will live a long life on the earth. It sounds like Psalm 133. That that's where God commands a blessing, life forevermore. Now, isn't that interesting that when you honor, when you're in line with your parents, you honor your parents in the Lord, that the favor of God will come upon you, the blessing of God will come upon you, and you'll live a long life on earth. Now, that's a very strange verse to be added there, at least it is to me. When I first read it, I said, why would God? Some of us don't want to live long here on earth. We want to just get to heaven as soon as possible. You know what I'm saying? I said, Lord, I just have one trial after another. Beat me up, Scott, and take me home. And some of us have that. You know, we wanted, we could taste. But here's the thing. God's will is that heaven be here on earth. God's will that you have life and have it abundantly. We've been praying for 2,000 years, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now think about it. When we get to heaven, there's no cancer, there's no sickness in heaven. And so God's will is on earth as it is in heaven. There's no aging in heaven. And I have a theory. I have a theory. Those who are in the glory of God, in the presence of God, they they have a longevity of life. They have health, you all know. You know, two years ago, I had the privilege of meeting uh, Billy Graham. He came to Los Angeles for 2004 uh, 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 crusade. So it's now, was it 2006 crusade? Uh, So it was uh, 2006. And so at that time, he was 87. He's now 89. He's still going strong
1: mm-hmm.
0: cliff barrows who sings how great you are you know how great thou art every crusade he turns 99 this year they mm-hmm. still singing how great thou art mm-hmm. it's amazing you know uh i'm sorry Cliff. Burrows, i i meant bev shea cliff barrows is a young kid on the block he's 87 You know, and I was thinking about my grandmother, who's the founding elder of the Yonah Presbyterian, which is now the largest Presbyterian church in the world, 8,000 members. Uh, My mom, uh, my grandmother founded that church with a handful of uh, Korean believers right after the Korean War. She is 97, and she's still going strong. I said, What's going on with these people? You know, is it the food? Is it I, I have a different I have a different theory. It's not just the food and the diet. I believe there has to be your part of taking care of yourself. I mean, I, I look at George and then Winnie, and I won't give you their age, okay? But they're a lot older than they look. <laughs> what is it? I believe it's the glory of God. It's when heaven invades the earth, and all of a sudden we can live a life that is abundant here on earth. It is God's will that you walk in health and healing. That's where God commands a blessing, life forevermore. And so things will go well with you, and you will live a long life here on earth. Can I hear an amen? amen. Especially for the boomers as we're getting older. As we're getting older. I can honestly say, and this is by the grace of God, I, you know, I feel younger than I did when the revival began. Believe me. I was so ready to quit the ministry in 1993, I was ready to retire from the ministry, sell my house in Los Angeles, buy a house in Colorado Springs. I was depressed. I was mad at the church. I hated the church. It's just like the mom who would say to her, son, you need to go to church. I don't want to go to church. You need to go to church. I don't want to go to church. I hate the church. Son, you have to go to church. Besides, you're the pastor. I was, one, I was that person. And, and, and so, you know, thank God for the visitation in 1994. It saved my life. And we've been in this river and there's uh, uh, glory for the last 14 years. And I wanted to say that, but God has more glory for us. We're going from glory to glory. Amen. Give him praise for that. Give him glory for that. He says, I want to be apostolically alive. I want to be apostolically alive. And so, being aligned with uh, Aaron, the high priest, it's like the oil coming, the glory coming, the anointing coming upon his head. It's like the dew coming upon Mount Hermon. Where is Mount Hermon located in the geography of Israel? It's in the north. It's at the very top. Again, from the head down to the mountains of Zion. And Jerusalem being the highest point in the southern part of the geography of Israel. See? And that's the way it works. And it says, I'm going to begin to touch. And I'm saying this. Listen. Just hang in there. You are waiting for your breakthrough. But I want you to know. The apostles are getting their breakthroughs right now. It's flowing down to your pastors. And it's flowing down to you. You just hang in there. Persevere. Because the anointing, the glory of God is coming upon you. And you be like John who says. Lord, I haven't seen someone healed yet who's blind. But I want to continue to contend. Because I'm claiming the anointing that's flowing from Pastor Che will come down to me.
1: Yeah.
0: See, He's like Elijah. You know, I want that dumb portion. and so that's what God's doing but he's saying, listen, why? because he wants his church to be united because Jesus said Father, I pray that they would be one that the world might believe that you sent your son now, the great harvest is coming and I want to close with this now in January of this year Chuck Pierce uh, hosts an annual conference in Dallas, Denton actually a suburb of uh, Dallas uh, getting the year started right Over 4,000 people were there. And I believe that Dutch Sheets gave the word of the Lord. He gave a message, and I can sum it up in three statements. And this is what he said. 2008 is a year of apostolic alignment for the great transfer of wealth for social transformation. Let me say that again. 2008 is a year of apostolic alignment, get aligned, right. Right. Have your heart right with your pastor. Have your heart right. Who is your apostle? Find out who your apostle is. Get aligned for the great transfer of wealth for social transformation. Now, where's that in scripture? Well, it's interesting. Whenever the glory, because if there is alignment, there's glory. Where glory is mentioned is also in context of the great transfer of wealth, not in, but in a lot of passages. For example, Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And then in verse 5, And the wealth of the nations will be brought to you. In The context of glory, God says, the wealth of the nations will be brought to you. Now, I want you to turn with me ahead, God. Chapter 2. Now, this is very important. And we'll close with this verse. And then we're going to pray for the sick and do some uh, fun things. Uh, will receive tonight's offering, too. Uh, Haggai, which is before Zechariah, before Malachi, but Haggai, chapter 2. Verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, in a little while, I will shake the heaven and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. I mean, you know that the nations are being shaken right now? Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I want to just say, uh, in the context of this, I believe it's talking economically, primarily. You know, it does talk about shaking the heavens and the earth and all that. And we are we seeing birth banks, tsunami, what happened in Achi and all that. But when he says, I will shake all the nations, it was interesting. I was in uh, mainland China in uh, January where the stock market dropped all over the world. We live in a global economy now. It wasn't just in the United States. I was just noticing the Hong Kong stock market drop, Korean stock market drop, uh, Taiwan uh, stock market. I was just watching the news and it was like CNN news, It was like, "What is going on? There's a shaking going on, and we're living in a very volatile time." Many of you are suffering economically. If you're in real estate business, you know you just know how difficult it's been. Uh, gas is hit an all-time high. Over a hundred and four dollars a barrel now. All right, so there's a shaking, but here's God's promise for you. Look at this in verse seven. It says that in the midst of this shaking, the wealth of all nations will come to you. Now, the New King James Version, which I'm reading from, and also the NIV talks about the desire of the nations. But that's a poor translation. New American Standard, which is the most accurate translation of the original language, says the wealth of the nations will come to you in the midst of all this. You look it up on your own. Or if you have a New American Standard, you can verify with me.
1: And then he says
0: this. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Again, the wealth of the nations with the glory... The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. And God says the glory of the latter house will be more glorious than the former. And here's what I believe God is saying. I believe that God is saying in the midst of all this shaking, God's people are going to prosper. You've got to be in faith. You've got to do a shift in your thinking and faith in your paradigm. And not be... Because look, when judgment came to the Egyptians it did not touch the Jewish people, the Israelites. In fact, as they went out of Egypt, yep. Yep. through the Exodus, they were able to take the spoils of Egypt. They were given gold, silver, jewelry, and they took literally the wealth of the nations. And That's our first, by the way, first example in the Old Testament of the wealth of the nations coming to God's people is in the whole Exodus picture. All right. So it's the same thing that's happened. The Lord says, "Well, I'm shaking everything. I'm ready to bring the wealth of the nations. Why? For you to buy a new yacht and be selfish with it? Not that God doesn't want to bless you and, and uh, for you to have good things, but it's for the transformation of nations, yeah. for society. Listen, we've got a job to do. It took money to build that kitchen in Bulgaria." Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. And God's saying, listen, I'm ready to pour out my spirit. And these are prophetic words that there's something happening where God is shifting things and he's bringing the wealth of the nations. We are saying our church prosper and our people prosper in the midst of shaking. And God's favor is coming. It may be in small ways, like my son and daughter, uh, uh, my, my daughter and my son-in-law to be, they're getting married in less than two weeks. They're just a favor that's upon them with work, promotion. Getting an apartment in Old Pasadena that is, you know, normally from fifteen hundred to two thousand L.A. prices for one bedroom. You know, they get something for eleven hundred. I mean, it's just little things like that. We're just seeing it flow in our family. And I say, God, you're ready to bless your people big time. Are you ready for that blessing? Yeah. So here's what I want to do. In closing, I want to do two things, really three things, but one will take a little bit more time. The first thing I want to do is for us to get aligned right. First, with the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know Psalm 24 says, He is the King of glory. And the first thing that we have to do is get aligned right in this season and come under His loving lordship. Radical obedience to Him. With that, it's like buttoning your first button of the shirt, then everything else will come into alignment. Then things will fall into place because when that issue is settled and you're under His loving lordship, then you will submit to you your pastor, your parents, you'll understand alignment when it comes to covering and and you'll get aligned with uh, the body of Christ and and walk in reconciliation and unity and the blessing of God will flow with that unity. Then the second thing I want to do is that I want us to receive an offering because the glory of God is going to come with this alignment. And I want us to sow into, it's going to go to Life Center, obviously to cover the expense, but I believe it's more than the expense. I believe it's for revival. I believe it's for a transformation of Harrisburg. Yes. I believe that God has some incredible plans for uh, Life Center, and I believe that God is saying, it is a prophetic night. Tonight, the 38th day, where did that number 38? It's like the lame person who was by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, and then he received his healing when he encountered yes. Jesus. And Chuck Pierce said, 38 days, and tonight is the 38th day. And tonight is your night of breakthrough and resurrection. And I want you to sow into that. Let's all stand up. I want us to pray right now. Father, I pray right now you're speaking a word. Because even though we're the bride of Christ, and just like Heidi Baker had a vision of the bride uh, with a beautiful white gown, but the amazing thing she was wearing, combat boots. That vision she had really uh, is a tremendous metaphor uh, of the church, that we are the bride, but we're also the army. And you're calling us to find our place in the body of Christ, to be apostolically aligned. But the first alignment is with you, because you are our King, our Lord. You're the captain of the Lord of hosts. And I believe in a group this size, and I would ask you not to move. This is the most important part. There may be some here that you've said, you know, I don't feel that I've been really alive. I've lost my first love. Maybe you're here brought by a friend or relative, and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ before. See, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that God has brought you here because He loves you so much. My son says this all the time God loves you so much that you're the only person on the face of the earth. Jesus, was still have come and died for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son.